This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange with a new microphone where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, Nick read Hope Never Dies by Andrew Schaefer, and I read Catherine M. Valenti's Six Gun Snow White. Welcome to Bibliovile. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we're here on the ones and twos bringing you the oldest classic rock there is and the smoothest jazz we can think of. We got a new microphone, baby. Yeah, baby. We're in the big time now. We're in the big time now. It has an arm and everything. It like wrangles around. It is attached to my $25 Walmart desk. It is a... (laughs) a, I'm a complicated man, Susan. You are a complicated man. I feel like the, the desk is one of many investments we need to make into our home but yeah. we also need a new front step and a new railing and some new windows and a new front door so well this desk was bought after i spent twelve hundred dollars on a computer a pc and then realized only after constructing it and buying the monitor and plugging it in did i realize i had nowhere to put it do you want to know something funny uh you were telling that story recently to friends or family or some something, idiot and um you mentioned that you spent $1,200 on your computer, and you bought the computer after we were married, but before we had combined our finances. And so I, until that moment, did not know how much you spent on this computer. Yeah, it maybe wasn't that much, but it was a lot. But anyway, let's see just how sensitive this microphone is. I think it picks picks up up. the important things. Picks it up the important things. We'll see if I go pee during the podcast if this thing will pick it up instead. Well, I certainly hope not. Well, no, I mean, I'm going to pee on the microphone. We talked about making investments into the computer and the the microphones. We can put together a really quality podcast. But I think the thing that we need to to focus and, and talk about now is the really high quality books that we read for this week's episode. Oh, you said we were putting together a quality podcast. I'm like, do you have any ideas for quality <laughs> podcast? Cuz I don't. <laughs> um, so yeah, Susan, you got me on listener recommendation. Hope Thanks, Nate. Hope Never Dies by a person whose name I forgot to write down. You heard it in the intro. It's fine. I uh, I cannot believe that this book exists. Nate sent it to me. And I started laughing because I was like, oh, this is one of those joke things. Like, there's a book making the rounds on Amazon called My Antifa Lover, which someone totally wrote as a joke and self-published on Kindle Unlimited because it's like 55 pages long and there's probably not a whole lot to it, really, which is why I haven't gotten it for you yet. Um, And so I thought that this Hope Never Dies uh, was, was a joke but it's not. It was an actual book that someone wrote something like 300 pages of. Not quite 300, thank goodness. <laughs> um, well, I don't know, because I'd start doing some heavy skimming, because this is a book starring America's favorite old man who's terrible, Joe Biden. Now, I voted for Joe Biden, obviously. But who boy, if this just isn't the bee's knees of why you don't think politicians are your friends... I can't imagine a better example. So, from the cover, it almost so this is like a detective story, essentially. Mm-hmm. Writer is supposed to be from the cover and the blurb. It sort of seemed like it was trying to be kind of an action-packed detective story, and 
I also Joe Biden is an old ass obviously man. Obviously voted for Joe Biden, but he's an old man. An old ass man. There's not much about that Joe he likes Biden touching women's ass. that screams action star. Well, would you believe it? Joe Biden being the main character of this fucking real life fanfic, which is not just for anime characters going to the beach anymore. It is for Joe Biden, a very old man, to hit somebody in the side of the head with a, a shotgun. That is the biggest thing that happens in this entire book, basically. Not really what I'm looking for in my political leaders, to be honest with you. Well, you have to remember that politics is entirely about uh, who is coolest and easiest to tell jokes and stories about. And definitely not about the distribution of resources. Yeah, that's a real bummer. So it's really funny because this was written in 2016, maybe 17. And so it gets into the lamest part of the the resistance. Ah, uh, the pink pussy hats Twitter. Yeah, the women's march was really good. I'm talking oh, like. Oh, no, the women's march was great. The pink pussy hats were. I feel like that sort of took on a life of its own where it's like, oh. I'm, I'm the resistance. I'm wearing a pink vagina hat. Oh, I always <laughs> think of it as the fake blue check mark. That's the, the, the resistance. Mm. Um, but any hooser, uh, we open on Joe Biden being like, yeah, Barack Obama hangs out with too many celebrities. It's like, we're best friends. It's like, hey, do you understand how politics works? They're not actually friends or in love with their wives or anything. It's it's politics. They, they are celebrities and they are doing a thing. And Joe Biden was in the Senate for decades, and he was not especially great there, and then he got to be vice president, and now he's cool. It's stupid. Uh, but anyway, we soon meet, uh, we uh, very quickly get a heads up that Joe Biden owns a Sig Sauer uh, pistol. Why? Uh, just cause it's whatever the fuck. He never actually shoots it even once. And so he put, there's someone outside. And so he puts it into his back, you know, behind his waistband. Sure he does. And he walks out. Uh, this man was no stranger. He rose to his feet, a slim figure in his black hand tailored suit. His white, white dress shirt was unbuttoned at the neck. He took a long drag off his cigarette and exhaled smoke with leisure. Barack Obama was never in a hurry. So Barack Obama's in this. He's not the main character. He's, he's, this person has never written a mystery before. It yeah. says that in the about the author. And you can tell because a mystery only works when we know that there's more going on than the people in the story do. And a mystery works best when there's characters in it. Mm, yeah. And Barack, that does Barack Obama that does help. is handsome and black and plays basketball with kids and is a little bit aloof and seems to like be professorial. So they got some of the like the the political cartoonishness down of him. Uh, and Joe Biden has his narration such that, oh, you know, I'm always making mistakes and whatnot, but never actually does anything wrong, like smooch a woman on the back of the head or whatever that he does whenever he gets into a group of more than three people. And so it's like, hey, you can either make this a political cartoon of people, which would be pretty funny, or make them realistic people which would be not good but understandable but instead you've fallen into the uncanny valley where they are what you want them to be and what you want them to be is just barely not making out with each other and they're also like it it sounds like more caricature than character 
Not even caricature, because that would be like maybe a chance at a satire. Mm. Uh, I offered a handshake. Barack turned it into a fist bump. He's black, you know. Uh, it was a greeting. <laughs> no, I, he's young and cool. That's what the young, cool people do. I was. It was a greeting I'd never been able to master, but I gave it my best shot. Joe Biden knows how to fist bump things. Also, it's not like a fist bump is particularly complicated. Indeed. Um, there's just a massive understanding of how the rich are and act and relate to each other. Like, Joe Biden is being yelled at for not picking out the counters and is... Whatever, I'm like, Joe Biden doesn't pick his own fucking counters. Are you yeah, kidding me? Yeah, someone designed his house. What are you talking about? And then then at the end, the the twist baddie, who's very stupid, uh, is like, you, you got three cars to pay off. And it's like a 2014 Dodge Charger in his, that's supposed to be like the muscle car. It's like Joe Biden, although, yes, uh, should be a lot richer for all of the banks he's helped. They should have bribed him for all the stuff he did for them. Uh, and they didn't. Uh, but I think he can afford a Dodge Charger. Yeah, it's good to say. I don't think that he would take out a car loan for that. He'd probably just pay cash or buy a much more expensive car. Buy a much more expensive car. Uh, this includes nearly every single character's middle name at one point or another to prove that they Wikipedia'd people. Uh, multiple times, Joe Biden takes taxis or Ubers, and it's like, no, he is a driver. Yeah, at- and secret service detail. Uh, the vice presidents typically get cut from Secret Service detail pretty early. Um, so this is between his secret ser- or his vice and presidency. <sighs> um, the the amount of things I'm not yelling about right now should be exciting to everybody. Um, in addition, we're back in Wilmington, Delaware, the the city where he kind of started his political career, mm-hmm. even though he's from Pennsylvania, and he references in this book, as well as real life, his Irish blood, and it's like, buddy, you're, you're actually German. You can't just make yourself Irish to be more interesting. Um, yes, but he's Catholic, and those two things have to go together. Southern Germans are widely Catholic, <laughs> Susan. Um... And so he's back in Wilmington and several times it talks about like, oh, this is a, I have to find this one because it just makes me very angry. Um, it talks about how Wilmington, Delaware is not the best place to be. Um, and so they, here we go. But at the same time, reading this in a book about the guy who was vice president for eight years uh, to a president who promised more uh, sort of change and and reunification than any other, not reunification, that'd be bad, uh, change and sort of revamping of the way the system works, uh, this reads. That thanks to Delaware's corporate-friendly tax code, Wilmington had successfully transformed itself into a white-collar town. Nevertheless, a permanent underclass persisted. Huh! What? Never, uh, we tried everything we can. We gave a bunch of money to the rich. Why are there still poor people? <laughs> the poor lived in slums on the other side of the interstate. The poorest of the poor lived right here, underneath the interstate. The police did regular sweeps, knocking down tents and arresting users for possession or prostitution, but they were fighting a losing war. The people who called this place home had already lost their self-respect. Oh, Jesus. They had nothing else to lose. What about politics of the person who wrote this book? Fucking awful. They like Joe Biden. (laughs) During the election, when we talk lesser of two evils, it's important to remember the word lesser. And after the lesser of two evils has won, it's important to remember the word evils. (laughs) And that is what this book seems to want (laughs) us to forget about. 
Uh, it goes especially bad because he uh, recognizes... <laughs> I, <laughs> this isn't what I'm talking about, but remember the story about Corn Pop? About the Corn Pop. Joe Biden was a lifeguard and there was a gangster named Corn Pop. Yes. <laughs> I think I tried to block it from my memory, he brings, but I do recall. He brings up that the, he, where he had lifeguarded is now apparently called Joseph R. Bine Jr. Aquatic Center. The pool where my commitment to civil rights began. I hadn't fully understood what black folks were up against until then. I would have felt better if they named the pool after Martin Luther King Jr. The black man. Yeah, the only one. There's no one else they could have ever named it after. Do, the, the author does continue. Assuredly, no one black from Wilmington, he Delaware. He does shout out, or a local black politician. <laughs> yeah. but the a na- nameless one. But the neighborhood appreciated that I never turned my back on them. They should have named it after MLK. The black guy. <laughs> so this, I have to find another example also, of bad like, politics. Why, a, why an aquatic center named after MLK? Like... There are lots, I'm sure, of libraries or city halls or other public civic places, but yeah. why an aquatic center? I don't know. It's very clear that the the author of this wants to make out with Barack Obama or wants Joe Biden to make out with him. At one point, they sleep in the same hotel bed, uh, and it describes uh, how, although Joe Biden has been letting himself go in his retirement, Barack Obama has not. He's all bone and muscle and dad. He gives a new meaning to the word dad bod. It's like, you can make out on this book. Mm-hmm. It's if that's okay. What, if, that's what, if that's the kind of fan fiction you want to write. Also, men are so much weirder about sharing a hotel bed. I feel like women are very like, sure, fine, we'll share a hotel bed. And but the, like, I feel like for dudes, it's like a thing. It is. Yeah. So the plot of this book involves uh, Amtrak Joe's favorite Amtrak conductor. Uh, I knew they were going to make it about trains. Dying by, he got ran over by a train and he had both a map quest directions to Joe Biden's house. Map quest? And he's an old man. And uh, a baggie of heroin, although we find that out later in his pockets. But he's a great guy. He's just, he would never even drink. And... I'll get to the bad parts later, but he's talking to the guy who died's daughter to try and figure Wait, out. Joe Biden is? Yeah, Joe okay. Biden's talking to the guy who's died's daughter. Uh, and this is the not the last, but the the maybe the last one I'll read about bald, bad politics. He's talking about she lives in this specific community. After the nearby East Lake projects closed, its residents and problems spilled over into Riverside. Most of their Irish Catholic neighbors packed up and headed to the suburbs. Not the Donnellys. That wasn't Finn's style. Damn Chicago folks, as Iowa Cityans say, Jeez. moving into our neighborhoods, bringing their problems with us or with them. <laughs> the only rational response is white flight. Indeed. Um, I was opening up the passenger door when a polished Ford Galaxy rounded the corner. I tensed up as it rolled slowly down the street, rims spinning. I could feel the bass pumping from the speakers rattling my fillings. It reached the intersection and sped off. Is there something bothering you, Joe? Barack said. I didn't have a racist bone in my body, but I did have a healthy Uh, fear of ending up in the crossfires of a gang shootout. I hate that phrase. There was a SUV and it had spinners on. I thought I was going to die. The bass was bumping. Now, I was so scared. Admittedly, Wilmington, not the safest place. But the fact that huh, this car is owned by ethnics. <laughs> like, <laughs> ugh. 
Um, then he continues on in a very real world. Some of my biggest and most loyal supporters work in law enforcement, and I believe they have some of the toughest jobs in this country. Yeesh. Hey, Cab. Uh, there will still two Wilmingtons, the haves and the have-not. This is, by the way, spoken by what we're led to remember is probably a uh, unreliable narrator. He, you know, he's kind of a doofy, affable guy or whatever. But still, the the author is painting this as if it's analysis. There are still two Wilmingtons, the haves and the have-nots. There were still two Americas. It wasn't my burden to fix the broken system. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. You were the vice president. You were a <laughs> senator for several deal for several decades. You were in charge. This is a complete rejection of the power of government over the distribution of resources, and it just gets to the ever-loving heart of what's wrong at the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party wants to be about the one that looks good on TV and kneels with their their dangled scarves and then adds funding to policing. And then when they get in power, doesn't use any of it because they're actually afraid of being in charge of anything. So they just say, oh, and then Republicans win and do whatever they want. Because as evil and bad as they are, Republicans understand that politics is about winning and control and power, which is exactly what it's about. Yeah. And to have this author be like, I, I just, it wasn't on my shoulders. It was on your shoulders, the second most in the entire world. Yeah. Joe Biden. Yeah, that was your actual J-O-B. Ugh. Anyway, the, the, the book is about a guy who gets run over, and the entire book is pitched as if Joe Biden can see through the story that nobody else is wanting to investigate, and everyone's telling them to let it go. And here's a lesson for, this is trending on Twitter right now, and it's apparently awful no matter what, so I'm going to be awful about it. Harsh writing tips or whatever. And it's this. If you're going to write a mystery novel in which our protagonist is trying to like poke his finger into a, a big scheme that nobody else seems to see and is trying to cover up, make sure that the cover story isn't so legitimate that it wouldn't make any sense for anybody to doubt it. A man falls onto some uh, railroad tracks and he dies. Oh, we better tell Joe Biden so that we can start this cover up. What's there to cover up? A man got hit by a train. It happened in Muscatine a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Like, it's an accident. There's nothing to cover up about it. Yeah. And so it's only the fact that this is a book that's existing. Do we know that Joe Biden is right? Because it's literally, they're like, maybe I was wrong about all the connections I was seeing. There aren't any. You're not writing any connections. Yeah. Everything you, is easily explained. You have to give us something. Some doubt. To make, to make us also think, hey, this is fishy. There's something going on it here. did not get until 70% until we got a reason to think that this was more than just a man died thanks to a train accident. And the thing that happened at 70% was the dead man gave him a letter. Like, it got delivered late, and it said, hey, this wasn't an accident. And that's just plain a bad book. Yeah, that's pretty bad. They go around, and several times in the book, Joe Biden and Barack Obama, the two leaders of the free world for eight years, are famous and recognizable. Mm -hmm. And other times, Barack Obama puts on a hat and escapes into nothingness. Yeah, that doesn't really work like that. <laughs> also, I love that Barack Obama is just hanging out in Wilmington, Delaware with Joe, like... He doesn't have a family or other oh, things yeah. to do. Oh, yeah, he has to go. He feels bad. Um, a man is uh, behind them. He's filling up his motorcycle 
at one point, Joe Biden saw a man with a tattoo in a... Uh, and was he scared for his life? Well, he was behaving irrationally in a nursing home. So he thinks that he's part of a motorcycle gang and might be the drug dealers that the guy got the heroin off of. There are so many reasons that a person in a long-term care facility may be behaving irrationally. And like 85% of them are side effects from medication. It was a young man, not a person in the old folks home. Oh. Uh, but anyway, a different man. They're driving like uh, Barack Obama's new SU, bulletproof SUV yeah. thing around. And driving themselves, of course. The uh, at this case, the Secret Service, oh. they have one agent who's, uh, why is he in this book? Uh, and while they're filling up, a man on the motorcycle fills up his tank behind them. He has not been following them. He is not looking at them anxiously at all. Joe Biden... Uh, says something and so the secret service agent says okay you take the wheel and goes into the the gas station and pushes Barack Obama who's he he's left alone inside the gas station who's talking to the attendant about global warming pushes him out the employee entrance with him like body shielding Barack Obama and Barack Obama like down low to hide behind him while Joe Biden hits the gas on this SUV and like picks him up and then runs into like five different things and starts chasing the guy in the motorcycle why exactly why? Why would anyone in real life think there's a man on a motorcycle? I saw a tattoo. Let's chase him. So not only is this shitty politics book, it's also shitty book. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And it's all coming together with, why did you write this? Because, Why? You, you because clearly, the author really was pining for the glory days. Of the glory days. Let's go Barack back to that. Joe. I can't think of anything bad that happened after the Barack, the Obama-Biden administration. You clearly just wanted to write a buddy cop book. Yeah. Just write a buddy cop book. You don't need that steep of an angle. Like, I get that you need something to set it apart. I understand that. Make it in space. Yeah. Make everyone... A magician. I don't care. But... Or I feel like even if you are going to incorporate a celebrity, there are many celebrities that you could wind up making something more a more plausible story than Obama and Biden as buddy cops. Yeah, and then they uh, do a bunch of illegal stuff, and then it's fine. While they're chasing the motorcycle man... Uh, they, the secret service agent is in the backseat cause he had Joe Biden take the wheel. And so Joe Biden's chasing the guy and the guy chambers around in his pistol and that ends the chapter, right? You're going to shoot the dude on a motorcycle. That's murder, bud. Yeah. I don't care if you're in the, the secret service, you can't chase a man and then shoot him. Although he's a cop. So Joe Biden would get him off and then give him more funding. But, uh, he chambers around at the end of the chapter. And as it starts back up the next chapter, He's like, are you going to shoot him? And the circuit service is like, no. Then why the fuck did you just yeah, load your that's gun? That's a valid question when you have just loaded your gun. It is now Are chambered. you going to use that weapon that you just loaded? No, of course not. Why would you say that? Yeah, it's like, it's like drawing your sword and then being like, don't stab the guy. Why the fuck would I stab the... Put your sword away then. <laughs> It's a bad book. It turns out that the cop we met, get this, is corrupt. Oh, my gosh. But then it turns out that the biker gang guy that we meet with the corrupt cop was a DEA agent. But then the corrupt cop uh, pushes the DEA agent off a train, but he survives. And then uh, the guy goes to jump out the other side of a slowing down train, leaving Joe Biden bloody. Like, but that's Joe Biden. You can't. You either got to kill him or whatever, because he's going to 
say it was you and then he's fucking Joe Biden. He'll pay for the cops to do whatever he wants. And then while this guy is escaping from our train with a new bag of heroin to go sell, I guess, uh, he gets hit by a train coming the other way. Dead. <laughs> Good timing. <clears throat> Barack Obama comes and he's like, hey, I tracked your cell phone even though it was dead. I don't think that's how that works. That's not how that works. And also, it's like, Barack Obama can't do that. He's not president anymore unless he had a backdoor into the NSA. That's not good. You get that, right? That's a bad thing, everybody. And then the dead cop that got hit by a train is more muscle and blood than man, but pops up and levels a gun at Joe Biden. No, he got hit by a train. He's not a character Joe Biden tackles Barack Obama, not the Secret Service agent. And and Joe Biden gets shot through his jacket, but it hits his Presidential Medal of Freedom that he took. That he wears all the time. Well, he took it this specific time for, so that when he got shot, it would stop the bullet. Uh, That's not what he said, but that's why the author put it in there. And then the Secret Service shoots the other guy. And it's like, you could have just had him get hit by the train. That at least would have been kind of funny. Like, yeah. snidely whiplash, curling his mustache. <laughs> and then he jumps off the train and just gets fucking flattened on the other end. That would have been pretty uh, funny if it had been written correctly, but it wasn't. Uh, so, yeah, this is a book, Hope Never Dies. It sure did now. It should be followed by a sequel called Disillusionment. Oh, so your big question for the author of Hope Never Dies was, why did you write this book? What is this book for? Yeah. That is also the question I have for Catherine M. Valenti about Six Gun Snow White. Oh, you mean the Wild West Snow White story about a, a native woman raised by a mean white stepmother that seems to have trouble uh, setting a tone? Yeah, it's pretty weird. How'd you find this? But this is a why f- did you find? But this? this is a fully loaded fairy tale. I don't know what that means. Yeah, she has guns. Uh, I found- I don't know why she has guns. I found it on the library because I searched for retelling because I was ah. looking for you. Got me onto the retellings of uh, Pride and Prejudice. Now, to be fair to me and you, this book is what 160 pages long. Uh, not even 150. 150. Yeah. Very short book. So at first, when I first saw it, I was slightly worried that I wasn't going to have enough subject material because I feel like the Snow White story is fairly familiar. Yeah, the apple's been bit. Um, It's kind of been done, and it's only 150 pages long. I was afraid that I wasn't going to have much. And then I have a page and a half of notes, so I think we're going to be fine. The Okay, so I, I feel like retellings of fairy tales have been a staple for a while, but they got especially big in the 2000s. Like, that was, it was just a huge thing. Public domain, baby. Everyone wanted, like, everyone was doing modern day retellings or... Brothers Grimm. Yeah, something, something spooky or whatever about, like, based loosely on... Van Halen. I mean, Van Helsing. And some of them are really, really good. Uh, One of my favorite books when I was in probably upper elementary was a book by Gail Carlson Levine called Ella Enchanted. Uh, Ah, yes, with Anne Hathaway. Yes, I never saw... Wait, I don't think it's Anne Hathaway. I think it's... It is Anne Hathaway. It's definitely Anne Hathaway. I never saw the movie, but I remember that it's Anne Hathaway. What's the other one? Yes, that's the one where she has to do whatever anybody says to yes. her. What's the one where, like, a princess and a prince come to, like, New York? like Oh, day? that is the movie Enchanted, and oh. that has, um... A redhead? 
Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Yeah. Jessica Chastain, like one of those. Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Um, that one it. I have seen. It's very cute. But like, I loved the book Ella Enchanted. There are a couple of other the fairy tale retellings that I think are really good. Oh. This one is not. <laughs> nice. Um, good. And I don't. I don't understand what the author was trying to accomplish with this. Like, Murny. what is the point? Why did you write this book? So the blurb on the inside cover describes the narrator um, who, it starts off, we don't know who the narrator is. Then we find out the narrator is Snow White. Oh. And then halfway through, Snow White stops being the narrator, but we don't know who the narrator is. We just switch back to a... Third, omnipresent. A third person omnipresent narrator. Omniscient. Like, so is it like the type of third person who's like, I heard a story about Snow White? Or is it the type of third person that's like, Harry reached into the hat? Or is it like the third person narrator that's like, them dude boys in trouble again? Um, A little bit of one and a little bit of three. So not Harry. Re- so it's like a person. Yeah. Does but we it, don't know who the person is. It's probably grumpy. No, there's no dwarves. 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 You just said dwarves. Dwarves. Like D-O-R-V-E-S. Dwarves. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Dwarves. Sword. (laughs) Dwarves. Sword. Sword. Yeah. Yeah. Which is Um, stupid. But but so the blurb describes our narrator, who in this half of the book is Snow White, as a... (laughs) Not a good As plain smoke, as plain spoken and appealing... But all of the prose throughout the whole book, but especially in the first half, is actually like super weird and super convoluted. So I'm going to read to you a description of a dress. Okay. Uh, Mr. H chose a gown like the sun to represent him. It sported a high bustle, as was the fashion in the city, with sharp pleating at the skirt hem and a neckline I would not wear if it were stitched in paper money. But the color did not recall the wholesome sun of spring. Its model was instead the terrible inferno of the sun itself hanging in black space like a Utah ruby erupting into eternity, pocked with lava. Why? Yeah, I get that the metaphor. I understand it, but that's not plain spoken. That plain no. spoken would be like it was really fucking bright. Yeah, <laughs> um, hard to look at that dress. Alongside the dress, blue and white. she's wearing a necklace of Colorado diamonds, so fine and luxurious, anyone who looked at it felt like they were looking at a naked woman and turned away. What? What? Did, like, what? Um, so this... I have not turned away from a naked woman in a time. <laughs> so the, the the big thing that separates one of the big things that separates this from the traditional snow white fairy tale quality yes but also is that snow white is the product of a marriage between a white man who got rich during the gold rush in the west and a native american woman who he saw her fell in love with her without ever saying anything so let's to cross her. our fingers and say marriage 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 uh did marry her uh consensual 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 she didn't speak english at the time ah definitely consented to marriage then. um but he like taught her english and they had a baby and then she died and he basically just hid the child away because he didn't want his quote-unquote half-breed child to ruin his prospects of further marriage. So he just pretends he's never been married before 
winds up marrying another woman who is white. And so this white guy and this white woman, and he's trying to hide Snow White from her. She gets the name Snow White because the stepmother is terrible. The stepmother says to her, the evil stepmother, weird that she's terrible, uh, says to Snow White at one point, you're not entirely ugly, but no one would mistake you for a human being. It's, It's pretty bad. So the stepmother starts calling her Snow White as a mockery of her dark skin. Yes. We never learn what her name actually was. She does not have a name up until she starts being called Snow White. And then she's only referred to as Snow White. Um, the chapters are all titled after things that don't happen in them. So... <laughs> Aliens come. Chapter two. Uh, let's see. Snow White is instructed by Heron and Lizard. Don't know what that, that means. It just looked like a list of names. Yeah, it was just a list of names. Uh, Snow White bites on her own reflection. Snow White's father replaces arrows with bones. <gasps> There's pictures. Yeah, there are pictures. Um, oh, cool. It's the mirror. Yeah. Uh, Snow White shoots an antelope by means of a magic arrow. I don't know what any of that, like... Wait, wait, wait. That was present tense. Snow White's pony bears up just fine. Yeah. It's present tense gross yeah it's pretty bad um so there is like there there is some stuff in here that is like very i think insightful and that that could definitely ring true for some folks like a lot of the book is i think trying to explore the idea of having a biracial identity she she doesn't fit in anywhere with her white stepmother, but she also doesn't fit in when she eventually escapes and tries going to the Crow Nation because they see her as white. And so I think it's trying to explore that idea of, you know, being mixed race and not feeling like you fully fit in anywhere, but it doesn't do it with any sensitivity at all and so it just winds up like hey we're gonna remind you all the time that this girl is mixed and doesn't fit in anywhere and no one wants her like ouch yikes i I think you're giving it a little bit too much credit (laughs) because i think that this is a book for children uh no there's a bunch of curses in it really yeah like fuck yeah i think it was i think it is supposed to be for adults Wow, then never mind. I, I even this wrote. Sucks. I even wrote in here. This book uses the word "fuck," but won't take the Lord's name in vain. They refer to him as the great good dog in heaven. Maybe they. Maybe Snow White believes in a dog. The Huntsman or is, is a Pinkerton. Dyslexic. Who's oh the <laughs> character the Huntsman? Yeah, he's a Pinkerton. Fantastic. D- d- oh, I've talked about it on this podcast. I believe that the Pinkertons still exist. Uh, we do have a Charming, but it's not Prince Charming. Charming is the name of the horse. That was the only part that I actually liked. Someone called Catherine the Great. She fucked a horse, apocryphally. Um, she didn't, actually, but it's... That was it's... actually a pretty major storyline in the Hulu TV show The Great, was that there were all these rumors about her fucking a horse, and she's really mad it? about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, sorry, things take a me a minute, a I guess. A woman's sexuality is at stake. Um, another thing where I think this book thinks that it's being really deep and dealing with a lot of really deep issues, but does a terrible job of it, um, is that she is, of course, sexually assaulted and beaten up by her abuser. Um, it just sort of happens and then we don't deal with it again. So why did that need to happen? 
Um, to she move copies. has a shootout with the Huntsman. She wins. Um, Good. She kills a Pinkerton. Instead. She is a hero. Instead. Well, he doesn't die. Oh. But he's pretty injured. Nice. Um, instead of the seven dwarves, she winds up living with these seven outlaw women. Um, Ooh, someone calls Cinemax. They, uh, they are all sort of outcasts uh, in their own way. And they're like living together and trying to, to take care of each other and kind of do their own showers thing. And, and also to like not have to live in society. They've like separated themselves world. from yeah, society. And yeah. make out a bunch. Um, the stepmother finds her and arrives at the house that she lives in with these seven outlaw women. Uh, Snow White eats the apple on purpose. Oh, there's an apple. So, yeah, the poisoned apple. Well, yeah, but, like, is it a poison apple or yeah, is it? Yeah, it's just a poison apple because the, the stepmom is a witch. Oh, so there's witches. Also, isn't this conflating several characters in the, like, Snow White? It's Cinderella that has the wicked stepmom, right? Uh, Snow White also had an evil stepmother. But it wasn't the witch. No. So it's conflating several. Yeah. Um, but she, Snow White knows that the apple is poison and chooses to eat it anyway. So again, the book thinks that it's being really deep here. Like a like, freshman in film school. You had your your biracial character that you wanted to make super interesting experience a whole bunch of trauma and then essentially commit suicide. Cool. Suicide's deep, Susan. You just don't get it. So she doesn't die all the way, though. She, she is suffers frozen. a half death, am I right? She's frozen. A little death. And eventually, huh? all of the the seven outlaw women wind up joining a Wild West show, and she's part of it. So she's one of the things that people can go see at this Wild West show. They can pay a quarter to go look at the woman who's frozen. That's, um, that's the worst exhibit ever, because it's a woman laying down. Yeah, but she... Come, see the lady who's sleeping. Then at the end... Wakes up in the 21st century and uh, winds up getting a doctorate in physics. Is it like a sequel, like cliffhanger? No, she just wakes. I think it's supposed to be like, you know, her, she overcame it all and wound up having a, like, but she just winds up getting a doctorate in physics and eventually Snow White discovers a new pulsar out in the Horsehead Nebula. She listens to it through machines that reflect her face. Thump, 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 thump. Snow White's pulsar shakes the night sky like iron shoes dancing. And that's how it ends. Hmm. I'm going to need you to hit more things with your book while, during the recording of this one. <laughs> you hit the microphone, you hit the phone. No, that sounds bad. <laughs> um, speaking of the seven outlaw women. Yes. Does the concept of historical sex gross you out? Like thinking about old timey people doing it? Yeah. When they had baths like every once a month. Yeah. That part is pretty gnarly. Yeah. Mm hmm. That's pretty gross. Yikes. They probably smelled terrible. They probably didn't know they smelled bad. It's only these damn deodorant companies that are brainwashing us. You're right. We really should go back to our natural musk. Yeah. Not shave under our armpits. Yeah. Like I have been doing. <laughs> so much like your book, Mick, my big question for this author is, How why did is you it? write this book? Like, what was the point? I think she was trying to do, I think she was trying to write a woke version of Snow White. And instead, she just 
traumatized her character for no reason. You don't get it. Authors think trauma or trauma is it's not just Arthur's thing, but they know authors know that trauma is character. Also, I love that the idea of trying to write a, a, a woke Snow White. All right. All right. Woke Snow White, like tapping a pencil against Gotta her. Gotta give her a gun. No. <laughs> tapping her pencil against her lips. Woke Snow White. Obviously, it's got to be in the Wild West. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the wokest time of all. The wokest time of all. All right. Susan, my, it's the classic bibliovile game. We've played it a million times. Oh, yeah? How would you wokeify Snow White? How would I By Smoochner, that's... <laughs> no, how would you make a woke Snow White? Um, well, you're really putting me on the spot here. I mean, obviously everyone would, would or at least some of the characters would be queer. I feel like... Representation. The seven, the seven dwarves. There's just dwarves. something's going on there. Um, well, wait, other eyes. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I would woke if I Snow White. I feel like that's the whole thing about these really old fairy tale, or in particular, really old Disney movies. I can't remember the story of Snow White is just a lady who's really pretty and the witch hates her because of it. Yeah, I feel like uh, the no, best way to wokeify it would be by giving her autonomy so that she can leave on her own terms and go and do what she wants to do without having to have a man save her. Here's the thing. Wicked, or the the one with the mirror, the witch is both pretty and ugly, right? Yeah. In Snow White. So uh, the witch with the mirror is like Cosmo pretty. And she's like, oh, who's the fairest of them all? And it says Snow White and get this plus size model. Oh, yeah. There you go. And then it's a way to do it. she's like, what? And the mirror's like, it's not all about what's, you know, what society says. And so that's a, how you do it. I'm actually not going to tell you who's the fairest of them all because that's really pandering to the male gaze. <laughs> no, we already covered the dwarves. We don't, have to, <laughs> we don't have to talk about the male gaze anymore. So thankfully this book was short because it wasn't very good. Hey, I, I've had women describe me the same way. Would you like to hear the author description? It's quirky with a capital oh, Q. Yes. I love quirky author descriptions. Catherine M. Valenti, all this stuff about awards she's won, lives on a small island off the coast of Maine with her husband, two dogs, one enormous friendly cat, and one less enormous, less friendly cat. Every author hates their cat. Six chickens, a red accordion, an an uncompleted master's degree, a room full of yarn, a spinning wheel with ulterior motives, a cupboard filled with jam and pickles, a bookshelf full of folktales, an industrial torch, and an Oxford English dictionary. Sounds like Stardew Valley. Um, My author's uh, author, about the author is not super interesting, but his acknowledgments start out just totally cringe. They say nobody reads the acknowledgments page, but you, you're not nobody. Chances are you're somebody close to me, hoping to see your name in print. Did you make the cut, Grandma? Read on. Gross. Also, his wife is a legitimate uh, mystery novelist who helped him write all the jokes in it. And does so, he thank Barack Obama and Joe Biden? Uh, just like all nonfiction books, he does have to mention. I owe a special thanks, of course, to Joe Biden, who has overcome numerous tragedies and hardships to become one of America's most celebrated <clears throat> uh, public servants. He's more than a meme. He's a man of action. A man of terrible corporatist action who loves his ice cream almost as much as he loves his part of the country. He is a public figure who has overcome personal tragedy. He is indeed a public figure who has had public yeah. <laughs> private yeah. tragedy. Uh, anyway, Susan has just gotten an Amazon recommendation for a nonfiction book that looks interesting. So, 
Uh, that is where we are going to call it. I hope the new mic sounds okay. I hope we sound like a real podcast after six years. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm loving these user recommendations. Thank you, I'm Laura not. from Switzerland. Thank you, Nate from Kansas City. Uh, I have to do all the hard work myself. This is great. So if anyone out there comes across a truly terrible book, please uh, add us on Twitter at Bibliovile, B-I-B-L-I-O-V-I-L-E. You can find me on Twitter at Diggima. And I'm at Susan J. And the intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. Good night, new microphone. Good night, Nate. Just right. It is just right right here. I don't think I have to project nearly as much to get as much noise as I need out of this microphone. I probably still need to project more than I do. Yeah, you're not on the phone. (laughs) You're talking to a person who is several feet away from you.